We're excited that you're joining us online today. At Calvary, we are connecting people to Christ and to community. We hope you're inspired by today's message. Well, it is my uh, pleasure to introduce uh, to you Paul Frazier. And uh, I first got to know Paul in my, uh, in my fourth year of Bible college. He came in and conducted a fake youth pastor interview and then uh, judged me based on my answers. And uh, I ended up walking the stage with a job, so obviously it worked out. And, uh, and so uh, I'm just so, so honored uh, that, that Paul was willing to come and, and speak with us this morning. He really is um, someone who uh, looks, looks at the church and, and looks at it with courage and, and isn't afraid to go back to Scripture and say, okay, these are our tendencies, but this is what Scripture says. And uh, I really admire that about Paul. He has a heart for students. He has a heart for um, the church at large, and, uh, and he's just an amazing communicator. So um, without further ado, Paul, I'm going to invite you up, and uh, we're excited to have him here. Let's give him a warm Calvary welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I'll give you one more chance. Good morning. It is a good morning, right? We're here at church. Uh, it is a bit chilly, but for me, this feels like a bit of a tropical, a tropical vacation right now. I'm from Edmonton. And so right now, it's minus 32 with the wind chill. And this week, it got to minus 48. Imagine the texts that I've been getting from my wife all week. Imagine trying to boost a car, my son's car, that didn't start for two days, totally frozen. They had to push it into the garage. I'm in trouble when I get home uh, just for being here, but so I'm going to make the most of it. Uh, so Paul Fraser, I work actually at our uh, international office. I uh, help oversee church multiplication, and uh, it's a vision that our fellowship uh, had, well, it's it's been in our DNA for a hundred years uh, to plant churches, and so I spend almost all of my time doing that, and encouraging churches, and encouraging leaders, and helping find uh, new ways to reach people far from God. And and uh, I, I'm excited to tell you that there's some momentum happening in our fellowship again. While uh, the last 20 years have been a plateau, we're starting to see uh, some early signs of maybe coming out of a plateau. And uh, so two years ago, I took this job and I travel all over Canada. Uh, last year, I got to go on 50 different flights. So some of you might be like, wow, it's so fun to fly except when you do it 50 times. And uh, so I flew out here uh, to speak at the, at, uh, the Western Ontario uh, uh, Young Pastors Time Out, had a wonderful time there, and uh, so, so honored. So thank you, Pastor Tom, for opening up this, uh, this opportunity for me. And w when I travel, I, I almost always forget something. Anyone can relate. You travel and you, you, you go through, maybe some of you are out there who maybe are Enneagram number ones or, you know, perfectionist, and you've got your list, and you just, like, you never miss anything, like nothing. It's like, it's, so you just can't relate. In fact, you're, you're judging me right now for, for me even saying that. I always forget something, and, uh, you know, and so I, I bumped into this, this guy, and He's like, oh, yeah, he travels a lot. He spoke all over the place, pastor. And, and I said, so what's the craziest thing you forgot? Like, what did you forget? 
He goes, one time I was rushing out and uh, heading to a speaking engagement, and I was flying in just the night, bef uh, just the night before, and uh, when I got to the airport, I'd realized I'd forgotten my teeth. Now, some of you are wondering, is this a true story or not? So he gets off the flight, and his host stops to pick him up, and he's like, how are you, Pastor? Well, I'm really excited to be here, but I forgot something really important. What's that? My teeth. He's like, don't worry. I got you covered. He's like, what? And he goes to the back of his trunk, and in his trunk, pulls out of a briefcase, he goes, try these on tries them on. He goes, these are way too tight. Well, how about these ones? He had a second pair. These are too loose. Well, how about these ones? Perfect fit. Gets there Sunday morning, preaches a great sermon. After the sermon, walks down, says to the pastor, just thanks so much for being here. What a great time. I, he's like, what are the odds that the, your host, the host you sent me, is a dentist and has these teeth that I forgot? He goes, he's not a dentist. He's a funeral home director. <laughs> I always forget something. <laughs> it's a joke, everyone. It didn't actually happen. <laughs> How many people know that last words are lasting words? You know, think about this. For those, uh, I can see some seasoned saints in the room and been married for a while and lived through lots. What's maybe more important, the first time you hear I love you or the last time? And whenever there's last words in the Bible, you have to pay attention to them because you're not going to be wasting them. And, uh, you know, we see Jesus' last words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We hear the depth and the heart and the meaning in those last words, the importance. And Paul, the apostle, who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, and if you've got your Bibles or your, your phone apps or however you read the Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, we're, we're finding our way to Paul's last words. And it says this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, he says, But you... You. Other people will do other things. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. The message writes it this way, the message translation. But you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. The New Living Translation. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid for suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. And so God, as we dive into the scriptures today, only you can make it alive. 
Uh, these are just words that I'm saying, but, but you speak so much better. And so I'm asking God, as we even prayed before the service, that, that this would find the good soil in our hearts and produce a great result. And if you agreed with that prayer, why don't you say amen? amen. So Paul's occasion for writing 2 Timothy and giving you some context is he's in prison again. But this time he's awaiting execution. How did Paul get here? You see, we find Paul at the end of Acts. He's under house arrest. Most scholars believe he was quit, acquitted after his first trial in Rome, but he heads back out. He gets arrested, and he's like, yeah, we'll let you go, but stop preaching the gospel. And what does he do? He keeps preaching the gospel. And he's arrested again, taken back to Rome and Emperor Nero is suspected of burning Rome so he can rebuild it how he wants. And now he's looking for a scapegoat because people are now tying the conspiracy to him. And who better than Paul the Apostle? And so he's realizing that this is his last shot. And he's, he's to his spiritual son, Timothy, he's writing 2 Timothy, First and 2 Timothy. It's funny that I don't know if Paul the Apostle thought this would be like in our Bibles today. Because if you read the end of it, he's like, can you bring me my jacket? I'm cold. Can you bring me the parchments? But he's sharing this fatherly advice. And he's saying, remember who you are. Remember your heritage. You belong to Jesus. You know Jesus. Remember you are known and loved. Uh, character trumps age but saves his most passionate appeal but you timothy you church be sober in all things endure hardship do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry so we're going to go through those four things the first one is this be sober not under the wrong influence sober in judgments Clear thinking in our behavior, not drunk with our success or totally defeated by failures, that we would be cool, calm, and collected. There is a world out there that is looking for an example of what that is. That in a difficult time, somehow you find peace. In a difficult time, somehow you find wisdom forward. And you're calm and you're clear and you're thinking you're not panicked. Why? Because you believe that God's got everything in control. You may have woke up this morning and you're thinking, I'm going to look for a good place to say amen. I don't know where it's going to be. Maybe it'll be in the message. Maybe it'll be at the end of lunch. You know, but, but somewhere I'm going to find a place to say amen. You actually have one that's burning inside of you. And you're like, I'm going to coach you a bit. That was a great spot. Amen. That's, good. that's really good. We can be cool, calm, and collected because God's got everything in control. Amen. All right, you're warming up. It's cold out. I get it. So he says, be sober in that. Be calm. Don't panic. He's going to take, even when the tough stuff happens, he's going to make it for good. The second thing he says is endure hardship. This is a life lesson that Paul lived well. He says, suffer 
well. I like what 1 Peter 4 says. He says, why are you concerned about these fiery trials as if some strange thing is happening? I don't know how you came to Jesus where maybe you, you know, maybe you heard that that following Jesus was like tweedly dee, Jesus and me. And it's all like little fairies that going around sprinkling little fairy dust. And it's this, I just always am so happy. And I just, oh, it's just so. I don't have any hair, so it doesn't work as good when I do that. But just like, it's like, why, what? You, you thought this was going to be easy? Christianity is like rowing upstream, not to advance, is to fall back. You're constantly going against the flow. It started back in Jesus' day. They crucified him for it. Why are we acting as if some strange thing? Why are we ripping people on Facebook as if some strange thing is happening? That they don't agree with us. We you, we you, we you. Here's an alert. They're not going to. how we respond we're sober in our thinking we're sober in our responses yeah we speak truth but it's always in the vehicle of love guess what we're going to endure hardship but what a testimony it is to the outside world those that you rub shoulders with every single day when they know that you're going through a difficult time and you still have both hands raised on sunday and saying, yeah, I'm still going to praise God. I'm not going to praise my problems. I'm going to magnify the Lord and make him bigger than all of those other things. And people all of a sudden go, I want what you have. Endure hardship. What a testimony that is. He says tough times are unavoidable. We remember Paul and Silas at the midnight hour when it couldn't be darker. They start lifting up their voices and the chains break and the doors fly open. And they're set free from jail in that moment. They outlasted. Guess what? Storms will come, but you will outlast the storms. Because you've got resilience. You've got the power of God in you. You've got Jesus walking with you every step of the way. You can endure hardship. Don't run away from it. Sometimes God allows it so it develops resilience in you. It's like, count it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance so that you can finish the race. Sometimes we pray away these trials that God allows in our lives. And instead of having 20 years experience, we have one year experience 20 times. There's no maturity. There's no, there's no grit. There's no tenacity. Paul's saying, Timothy, you're going to be leading in church world in a Roman empire that's way more hostile to the gospel than what we live in, he says, endure hardship. Thirdly, he says, this is where I want to camp a little bit today, do the work of an evangelist. Why would Paul say this? We don't totally know for sure, but I think maybe to remind Timothy to not lose his zeal for the lost as he became engrossed in church world. Being too busy even with regular life. Can I tell you that thought is just as relevant then as it is today? 
And he's saying, don't forget we're about reaching people far from God. Moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and everyone that's involved here. This cannot be lost in our hearts because it gets lost in our hearts. It gets lost in the hearts of those following us. I want you to think of the next generation. I want you to think of the kids in the kids' ministry. If that gets lost here, they'll never know it there. Sometimes I wonder, as I travel around and get to talk with different leaders and different people from different churches, I wonder if we forgot what salvation really is. It's a dead heart coming to life. A dead life being resurrected. I talked to a business owner some time ago, and he had owned a couple different restaurants, and he was just like, Pastor Paul, I'm so excited. He goes, I don't get to go to church on Sundays because I'm a restaurant owner and we're very busy. But, but he says, but I, I treat my, my staff like they're my church. He goes, I, I, I pastor my staff. Yeah, I don't always get to preach a message and I don't get to lead worship in the kitchen, but uh, I'm pastoring my staff. I can't wait to be there every single Sunday when I'm sharing my faith with them. I feel like God wants to open up doors in business, in education, in every single area of society. Jesus is already there waiting for someone to bring the good news. He's already there working the ground. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said this, every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. Do you see yourself as that? Do you see yourself as a missionary? Well, we've just prayed for a missions team. And so, you know, they're the ones going and, you know, they're going to another nation. They're going to share the gospel. And yeah. They're just as much as missionaries as you are. Because if you don't think there are people that are saved in this city, in this community, you got to pull your head out of the sand. There's people that need you to go. There's people that you're rubbing shoulders with every single day that I don't have access to. Do the work of an evangelist. I get it. This is every Christian's biggest guilt. Two things. They don't pray enough and they don't share their faith enough. I get it. Let me also say they're probably connected. I find it difficult too. My wife and I are, are, are feeling a renovation in our spirit. Craig Rochelle said this. Uh, he's a pastor in the, one of the largest churches in the States. He says, at times I felt like a full-time pastor, but a part-time Christian. And, and maybe the pastors here can relate to that, where you just get so busy doing the work of the Lord, you forget the Lord of the work. And you forget what it means to actually know your neighbors. Because my neighbors don't care that I'm a pastor. They just care, do I shovel the walks? You know, am I a good neighbor? Do I clean up after my dog? You know, like just really simple things. They don't, they, don't, they don't care, but I care. I care about all my neighbors. 
And there's something that's stirring in our hearts this year that we're believing for 2020 that we're going to find a way to connect with them. We're going to find a way to serve them. We're going to find a way to be light and to be salt and to see what God will do with our efforts. We got to do the work of an evangelist. You see, do is an action word. When he's saying do, it's not like think about it, talk about it, you know, let's plan about. No, no, he says do it, do the work. Work is a, is a, is a word that means work. It's not easy. Do the work. There's actually effort, and it's not always fun, and it's not always convenient. Do the work of an evangelist, one who proclaims the gospel good news. To convince, persuade, this is not just the pastor's job. We all have the responsibility before God. It's the Great Commission where, where Jesus said, as you go about your day, make disciples. It's not just send missions teams and make disciples. It's as you go. Evangelism is an event. It's a lifestyle. Where every single day you're just, you're just sharing the light, the love, and the power of Jesus. Clearly presenting the story of God, of Christ. And you don't have to have the, the Bible calls degree. You just share your story. Have you ever asked your neighbors what's their story? Because here's what happens. They'll yak, 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 and tell you, and you'll get to know them, and then they'll say, well, what's your story? Oh, isn't that a novel thought? Where we just sit and we listen and we ask and we're, we're, we're concerned, we're engaged, we're, we're listening. You know, Mark Twain said, the, bo- the best storyteller wins the generation. The best storytellers win the generation. You know who's winning our generation right now is media. Media is winning. They're telling the best stories. But we've actually got the... You ask any movie director, it doesn't matter how many effects, and I could list off movies and you'd say, like, how many millions of dollars? But the storyline was so bad that, that media effects, social, like, uh, special effects can't fix a bad storyline. Would you agree? Like, it's, it's just a bad storyline. You, you, you could put George Clooney and you can bring them all in if it's a bad storyline. Tom Hanks, even. <gasps> he said Tom Hanks. Uh, it, you bring it's a bad, but we've got the best storyline ever. <clears throat> yeah, that was another good place to say amen if you were wondering. C.S. Lewis had was walking by this uh, religion debate. <clears throat> and they were going through all the major religions in the world, and they were saying this. What is the single most defining characteristic about each one? And so they would go through. Islam, they go through Hinduism, they go through, and they've just gone on and on and on, go through all the major world religions, but they get Christianity and they're arguing. Well, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this. So C.S. Lewis is walking by, and they see him, they say, you need to come in here and help us settle this disagreement because we can't figure out what's the single most defining characteristic of Christianity that isn't found in any other religion. He goes, that's easy, it's grace. It's grace. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, how you've done it, 
It doesn't matter. Jesus paid it all. You get a brand new start, a dead heart that comes to life. And when you breathe your very last breath, you go to heaven with him. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. Nothing. It's freely given. So free, it's freely received. So you freely give it. It's grace. What a story. You, you may be here today and you thought, well, I had to be perfect before I had to come to church. No, you don't. No, you don't. We're a bunch of imperfect people that just found Jesus. That's the only difference. And outside of Jesus, I would get caught up in all the same vices that are happening out there. But for Jesus, but for him coming into my life and allowing his grace to say, you know what? I accept you. You don't have to measure up here. You don't have to do that. I accept you where you're at. What a great story. Every other thing you have to get to a certain level and then you're accepted. With Jesus, you're accepted where you are right now. What a great story. So where do we start? Do the work of an evangelism, I think, with this heart. The first is this, the compassion of Christ. It's got to start here. It's got to start with compassion. Um, this ex-police officer, now preacher, Notice that there were three types of people that showed up at an accident. The first one was the bystanders or the onlookers that would just, hey, what's happening over there? They're curious to see what's going on, but not much action. The police officers would show up and they would uh, get there and try to figure out what's happening. And they would uh, offer an assessment, blame, handing out a warning and punishment. Third group of people that would show up at an accident is the paramedics. And the paramedics immediately went to help the hurting, don't care who's to blame, would bandage the wounds, uh, free trap people, and speak to those that, uh, that need some encouragement. And he said this, what kind of church do we want to be? Do we just want to be bystanders, seeing people hurting all around us and just going, oh, I wonder what happened over there? I wonder how they got there. Were we the police officers that go around assessing, blaming, handing out warnings, giving out the punishment? Or do you as a church want to be a paramedic? That it doesn't matter what they've done, it doesn't matter how they're hurting, we're helping. It doesn't matter. The only way you can do that is with the compassion of Christ. And the only way you get that is by spending time with him. You can't, we can't lay hands on you and say, you got the compassion of Christ, now go. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. I don't understand everything. But for me, it's spending time with him and knowing his heart. When I know his heart and I begin to see with his eyes, I look at people differently. And I don't judge them for being rude, and I don't judge them for being ignorant, and I don't judge them for, for even making fun of me for my faith. I begin to see them with different eyes because compassion builds up. I think we need to be paramedics again. I think there was a time where we spent just warnings, sending out warnings and warnings and warnings, or just being uninterested. 
But I, I feel like there's something stirring up in the heart of the Canadian church again that's saying, you know what, we got to get back out there and be a paramedic. Get out there and help the hurting. We're not, we don't care how they got there. We're going to free them from the car. We're going to bandage their wounds. We're going to bring hope to them when they feel discouraged. You see, the least, the last, and the lost were not an obligation to Christ. They were his top priority. And our actions need to mimic that. Start small. Start with your neighbors and coworkers by just genuinely loving them. You don't, Pastor Paul, you don't know what they're like. They're hard to love. Yep. Yeah. Probably are. They they're they just they don't they don't they don't get it. Yep. Sounds about right. But Jesus still said, love them anyway. Love them anyway. The second part of that is we need the compassion of Christ, but the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. To have ears to hear and hearts to obey. That, that I wonder if you woke up tomorrow morning and said, God, what do you have for me today? Well, what, do you, what, do you, what are the divine appointments? We prayed over the team here at the front. What are the divine appointments that are already being set up in advance for them? There's actually, why do we think it's only, are you guys going Dominican? Yeah, why do we only think it's Dominican Republic that God's setting up divine appointments? They're everywhere. Imagine if you woke up and said, wow, what can I do today? How can I bring hope? How can I encourage someone? Maybe get on Facebook and, and you just go through and you become the encouragement police. And you see someone who's discouraged and having a bad day and you just start firing encouragement their way. Like do something. Do the work of an evangelist with the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. We need his strategy. We need his voice leading and guiding us today. Be fearless and ask God to replenish your courage. You see, I, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back. I, I, I've noticed something that, that for a long time, we really, really valued strength. Man, if you were a strong Christian, that was the goal. Like, you're a strong Christian, you know. You go to church, and you, you, you serve, and you give, and you, you do all these things, and you're good. You read, the, you read a chapter a day to keep the devil away. You know what I mean? You're, you're, just, you're, you're, you're doing it all. You're a strong Christian. And we would all high-five you and say, well done. But if you read in the Bible, Jesus often exemplified this, but we even read it in the Old Testament. It was always be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. See, the interesting thing about courage is in order for you to have an act of courage, you need to be afraid of something. Like for me to jump off this stage, there is a little bit of fear, but not a ton. But for me to jump off the roof, you need fear. You see, for strength, we need resistance. But for courage, you need fear. You need something that's going to scare you just a little bit. <laughs> I have a feeling the Holy Spirit's going to meddle with you all week now. You guys have been praying and fasting, and now he's just like, yes. If you, if you begin to pray for courage, look out what will happen. 
He'll actually set up appointments for you that are unavoidable and you will have the opportunity to face that courage. How can we have courage? Same reason Moses did. Moses said, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with me. Joshua, under new leadership, says, I'm not going anywhere. I can, I can be strong and courageous for I know that you are with me. Even the psalmist, David, said, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? Because you're with me. And if God is for you, who can be against you? But folks, what happens if we don't? What happens if we don't? What happens if we're just okay with being strong and not courageous? What happens if we don't have compassion of Christ? What happens if we don't have the compulsion of the Spirit? What happens if we don't do the work of evangelists? I want you to picture 20 years from now what will happen. If we don't get serious about this. But I think Paul the Apostle saying to Timothy and now saying to us, but how about you? Oh yeah, there's other churches and doing other things, but we're not talking about other churches. We're talking about you. But you, what will you do? Will you do the work of an evangelist? Will you be sober in your thinking? Will you endure your hardship? And will you do this last thing that Paul's asking? Will you fulfill your ministry? Will you make full proof of it? It's kind of like that, it's kind of like that coach. You know, there's some NFL football games this afternoon, and he's going all those coaches are gonna get up there and they're gonna say, Come on, guys, leave it all on the field. You only get one shot at this game. That's it. And after this, it's either we win and go on or we lose and it's over, but we're gonna leave it all on the field. And that's what Paul the Apostle saying, Timothy, you've got your one and only life. What are you gonna do with it? And Timothy's going like, I'm gonna fulfill my ministry. I'm gonna leave it all on the field. I'm not gonna leave anything to spare. Leonard Ravenhill, the great preacher said, five minutes inside eternity. And we will wish that we had sacrificed more, we had wept more, we had grieved more, loved and prayed and given more. Let's do that now. Let's lay it all out in the field. This isn't, this isn't a time for like saving it for the end. No, 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 no. God will give you strength. God will give you courage. God will give you opportunity. God will blow your mind if you begin to say, God, whatever you want to do, that place of surrender. So this morning, I really felt like we needed to pray for those two things. The compassion of Christ and the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. If you bow your heads with me, thanks so much for listening today. And I don't, I don't know who's all in the room today and I'm not assuming anything. Maybe you hear God speaking to you today and you don't even know that it was God. You, you feel something inside going, man, I, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but I feel something stirring inside of me. That's Jesus. He's calling you in. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. And maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. It's a simple prayer. It's, it's a, I'm not gonna lie to you, it's a hard life to live, to live for Jesus. 
but it'll be the biggest and best decision you have ever made in your life and you won't regret it. I remember sitting down with those seasoned saints in their 90s asking, can you remember one time that God wasn't faithful and none of them could say they could remember one time. This will be a decision and you will look back on this day and this will be the best decision you ever made. And, it, and it's a simple prayer of inviting Jesus into your heart, asking him to forgive you of your sin and asking him for strength to live for him. Put your trust in him. I don't know where you put your trust right now. Maybe you put your trust in money. Maybe you put your trust in friends. Maybe you put your trust. But you will find that they will all, all those things will fail you, but Jesus never will. And if that's you here today, in a moment, I'm just going to get you to lift up your hand, look my way, and I'll include you in a final prayer. But if that's you, thank you. Is there anybody else here that would say, yeah, I just want to receive Jesus? Thank you. Is there anybody else? This is an important moment. It's going to take a great deal of courage, but can I tell you, from what I know of this, of this church and what I know of this pastoral team, this is a safe place for you to be courageous. Is there anybody else that would say, yeah, I just want to receive Jesus? So God, I just pray for those two right now. And, and, and God, I just know all of heaven is super, super excited. So God, as those two that have put up their hand, just say this prayer even in their own heart. Jesus, come into my life. And you can say it however you want. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to know you. Help me to live for you. And give me this brand new start. And I want to experience your grace and love right now. And in your own words, if you said that prayer, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. And so God, we just are so grateful for those two courageous people that put up their hands that just said yes to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe it's a rededication, but we know that they're coming back to you. And with your heads bowed, maybe there's other people in this room that are feeling like, I, I just need the compassion of Christ. Uh, I, I feel like maybe I'm numb to the, the needs of those around me and I just need to get back maybe to that broken place before the Lord. And if that's you, I'm just, I, I want to pray for you. We're going to have some time at the altar here at the end. But if that's you, just put up your hand and say, yeah, I want the compassion of Christ. Thank you. Is there any others? Yeah, I, I do. My hand's up. I want the compassion of Christ. Is there anybody else saying that? That I want to know his heart and I want to see people differently. And I want to, I want to fulfill the ministry, fulfill the plan, the call of God in my life. Thank you. Is there anybody else that would just say, yeah? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're... Maybe you're feeling like, I just want to hear more from the Holy Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I don't want to be distracted by other things. And, and <clears throat> you're, just, you're just saying, Holy Spirit, I'm just inviting you in right now. And He'll help you with the compassion of Christ. But you're saying, I just want more of His Spirit. But can I tell you this? 
whenever you say, I want more of God, it always means less of you. It always means less of you, which is good, which is what you want. But you're here saying, I just wanna, I just wanna feel the power of the Spirit. If that's you, just put up your hand. Thank you. Just wanna feel the power of the Spirit. Amazing. All right, why don't you stand up with us? Can we just do a big round of applause for those two that responded to Jesus? I mean, come on, this is, this is, why, this is why we're here. Wow, wow. If you feel comfortable, just lift up your hands now. In a moment, we're just gonna in, invite you forward to, and we're, I'd love to pray over every single one of you if we, if we, if we could. I'm going to ask you to be courageous because we want to lay our hands on you. We want to bless you. We want to commission you. We want to say that you are called and you're set apart, that there's a ministry and a plan that God has for you. You're not just putting in time and, and filling a seat in a church. There's, you're on mission. There's purpose. And God's going to give you everything you need to fulfill it. Don't worry. You're not going to lack. So God, I pray for those that hands up and hearts open. Hands up and hearts open. Just begin to call on God as the worship team begins to lead us. And in a moment, we'll call you forward. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check us out online at calvarydunville.ca and like us on Facebook for quick updates about what's happening here at Calvary.